have to do something about what's going on in our communities. We are experiencing a tremendous uh, growth in crime. We're experiencing a tremendous growth in, in, in you know, lawless behavior. And we know all of that's all related to some of the laws that are being passed, some of the, the, the anti-police movement that has been, been spread across our country. Why in the world is this happening? This kind of lawlessness cannot go on. And we as a community need to, need to oppose that. And you're right. Right now, Vancouver and Clark County are safer than Portland. And we are seeing a massive immigration into our cities. If you, as a Clark County citizen, do not go out there and vote, do not register, and then hope that everything is going to work out, you will be, you will be within two years, my prediction, there is no question, we will have Portland in the streets of Vancouver. We've gotten away from that, where people are moving towards doing whatever they want to do and being in their businesses, and I'm building on my career. And I think that that has limited us. I think it has been to our detriment. That's what we're here for. We weren't just here just to be, just to go around nilly-willy and just enjoy life. No, we're here for a purpose. And it was ingrained in me, Demetri, it was ingrained in me that I have to serve and to serve the people, to serve others, you know. And by serving others, I knew that I knew for a fact then that I would please my Lord and my Savior, Jesus Christ. All that came to, to a head, and I had to make a decision, like we all have to make decisions. Do you want to do what you love more than anything, or are you going to take responsibility and serve your family? I made the decision to serve my family, which is why I switched over. It hurt. Uh, from being a, a, what I went to school for and all that, to become an officer. There are still dedicated professionals who could make money any other place they want, but are true choosing, like I'm choosing, to stay with the profession and to believe that it, it is here to defend and protect and to serve the community. Ray, thank you for being here with us. I really appreciate it. How are you doing? I am doing fantastic. Awesome. Dimitri Yar, thank you so much for inviting me here. I am honored to be here. And I'm also very much honored to speak to, you know, both Oregon and Washingtonians that are concerned for their not only their safety, but their freedoms. Awesome. I appreciate that. Well, uh, I'm, we're glad to have you here. Before we kick it off, I wanted to do a quick, for those folks who might be tuning in for the first time, um, Yaroslav is going to give a quick introduction and, and explain who Slavic Vote is, uh, just for those listeners, and uh, our mission and uh, things like that. Outstanding. Yeah, so for those uh, Ray followers that are, sli- that are actually <laughs> listening to us right now, uh, they've probably seen Slavic Vote around because I've seen Ray around a lot. This is the first time I actually shook his hand, I think, but I've seen him a lot at the... Um, Flash Love events with Andre, uh, very, very active person. And this is what I think Slavic Vote and Ray have kind of in common in a way is that we do go out, we speak to people, we engage with the community as much as possible. Um, but as far as an organization, we first we tried to get people registered because the Slavic community, as That's you right. probably know, was not active as of probably three years ago. Uh, exactly. It was unheard of. People were voting, you know, maybe in little small groups. And I, I know churches were, like, passing around um, different election material mm-hmm. and <laughs> copying each other, whatnot. Uh, but there was nothing official. So this is what Slavic Vote was kind of born from, was from that need. Uh, second, we went into education. We saw that a lot of the Slavic community were registered. They were getting the ballots, but they were still not voting. And the reason mm-hmm. for that is, is you know, it's kind of like the greater of two evils. They didn't know who to vote for in right. a way. So they're that. like, I'm just not going to do it. And we met a lot of people that were in that category. And then last is activation. Uh, a lot of Slavic community members realized that uh, voting sometimes is not enough. Uh, and I think that's the category that Ray kind of falls into. He's like, voting is good, but taking uh, like major action and going for specific positions that we have access to that are available, um, we can definitely do more that way. So this is what Slavic Vote's about, sort of. Yeah. Awesome. Well, it's it's good to uh, it's good to be on this program today and share. Uh, some of the things that we are doing around town. We just actually had a registration drive this Sunday. That's outstanding. Uh, uh, you were able to be there a little bit and, and mm-hmm. kind of engage with the community who were uh, interested to learn more about your, uh, just who you are and what, what kind of uh, campaign or what kind of race you're representing. And you're running for a nonpartisan race. That's uh, correct. So it's, uh, it's a very interesting race, uh, very interesting position. 
uh, I believe it's Clark County Sheriff. Is that That's correct? correct. Awesome. You know, Dimitri, it's very exciting what, what's going on right now because yeah. I am running for Clark County Sheriff. But the interesting thing about it is this is the critical time, yeah. not only for just Clark County, Washington, but also for Portland, for Multnomah, for this whole southwest Washington, north, north, northwest of Oregon. We have to do something about what's going on in our communities. We are experiencing a tremendous uh, growth in crime. We're experiencing a tremendous growth in, in, in you know, lawless behavior. And we know all of that's all related to some of the laws that are being passed, some of the, the, the anti-police movement that has been, been spread across our country, and, we, and also the, the desire by many, I'm not saying all, but by many who don't want to love this country and be the patriots that we know that a lot, of our, a lot of our people here in Clark and in Portland and Multnomah County are. It's a critical time for us, and I think this is a great time for us to be talking about Activate, you know, registering our the voters. That's the Slavic vote. Getting, you know, getting these people excited about what they're doing, and then activating them to do what needs to be done. Critical right now. Uh, and as we go through, I'm sure we'll be able to talk a little bit about how, why we need to be activating and why we need to be mobilizing in in this very, very critical time. So uh, a few questions for our listeners who don't know who Array is, because a lot of our listeners are from Oregon, and there's listeners from Washington. Um, uh, we, I, Dimitri gave me this little fact sheet, and it says that you've been in, in the um, police force for 37 years. Am I right? That's right. So my question <laughs> is, because I, I, when I was going to community college, um, there was a young gentleman that was actually, he was taking like his prereqs, Mm-hmm. to go to and he was going to become a police officer and i was thinking back then i was young probably like 18 19 and i was thinking like who would want to go serve or have a job where possibly you know the last time you talk to your kids or your wife that might be your last day i mean i'm i'm saying a police officer job you only realize what that job requires if you've lived like in a really interesting neighborhood i've lived in some interesting neighborhoods in vancouver and mm-hmm. i've seen police officers and i don't know how they did it day in day out what drove you into this profession how old were you and just kind of oh. some facts about you actually tell us tell us something even more You're, okay where are you from family well had a, a tremendous career yeah. <laughs> i'm excited about it and, it, and and one of the nice things about it is it's varied and it gives me a whole different way of looking at different communities. And as a game warden, when I, when I went, went to school up in Wisconsin, so all you Badger fans, here we go, <laughs> go Wisconsin, um, it was important for me to go to school there, and that's where I ended up getting my degree. Believe it or not, Dimitri, I actually I am a wow. scientist by training. Wow. I have a degree in biology. I have uh, almost a minor in chemistry, and I am a water resource scientist. So a lot of my, my schooling has to do with environmental law, environmental issues that are, that are going around, and primarily how are we going to conserve our mm-hmm. vital natural resources and work them so that they're useful. Um, and that is, a, as a game warden, that's what I was doing, going around making sure those resources are taken care of. Fish, fish, of course, where we do a lot of fishing. I worked, I, my primary area was from Clark County all the way to Klickitat County up to, um, to Mount St. Helens and all the way over to oh, wow. uh, the Columbia River as she ran straight north. So it's a pretty extensive area. And we did a lot of work with, with wildlife hunting, fishing, um, illegal netting. Some people decided to throw nets in some of the streams. Those are the kind of things we would work on. But also, we would work on environmental issues where we'd have somebody would take a great big, you know, denying cat and drive it into the creek bottom to change the, the direction or to or to actually steal, believe it or not, steal some of the gravels out of the creek and then sell those on the, on the black market. It's it was an amazing. I didn't know that that was going on, but it certainly is. And sometimes we came across, you know, issues where people were illegally fishing, uh, taking fish and then taking their eggs and selling them. All of that was all a part of being a game warden. Very, very exciting times. It was wonderful. I, I enjoyed it. I did that for almost 13 years. Uh, then I, I switched over to become a Vancouver police officer. And from that time on, I started, you know, again, just working as a patrolman, which was just going, you know, with all the folks. Uh, yes, I was one of the people that might have stopped you for speeding. <laughs> 
that that was probably me. Um, but also the, I was, but I was the nicest cop. It was, I'm very nice. Um, also in, in doing that, I learned a number of things like Yara was talking about, how we need to be involved with community, how we need to be to be integrated into our community. I found that some of the best things you can do is just to listen to what people have to say. It doesn't matter what the culture is. It's just yeah. that you have the time to listen and to understand that we're all trying to understand each other. And by doing all that, you know what it did for me? It let me understand cultures, helped me understand people, and it brought me closer and closer to a number of people. To, to right now, within this community, I, I, I'm very well known in the community, in this Clark, Portland area, because of what we're involved in. Right. Um, and, and I'll go through a little bit of that, but I'm gonna stick with what I, my yeah. But then, then I decided to become a detective. That's great, and being a detective is very intense, because you have a lot of caseload and you're working hard on different things. I worked on a, or cases where there was stolen property, car thefts, um, was my main thing was dealing with car thefts and stealing car parts. And that, that was, was a, back in 2002, 2005, so the, I'm sure the, the detective work right now is a lot more. Oh, oh yeah, we need you back. It's gone. <laughs> it's, I tell you that our, the work right now has become yeah. incredible because of the, right now, do you know, do you know that crime right now has jumped almost 37% over what it was last year. Yeah. And right now car thefts were up like a almost like 500 to 1000 percent and then this year we're looking at what 67% increase in car thefts and and stealing yeah. auto parts. Incredible. Right. Why in the world is this happening? This kind of lawlessness cannot go on and we as a community need to need to oppose that. Right. Um, I actually grew up in the city of Chicago. Wow. Oh wow. That's a long way I grew up there. Um, my dad and my mom were intense, you know, Christian people. They, we grew up in a very regulated, you know, religious family, uh, almost to our fault. Um, but we always were part of a family. Family was yeah. number one with us, you know. So it was critical for us to be involved. Um, we went fishing a lot. We went hunting a lot. All of our family was involved in doing that. And we, and I found out that by helping and learning about what's going on in the community that it, it just became a part of me and my dad always told me that we are that we are not here for ourselves we're not we're here to serve we're here to 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 make someone else's life better that's what we're here for we weren't just here just to be just to go around nilly-willy and just enjoy life no we're here for a purpose and it was ingrained in me Demetri. it was ingrained in me that I have to serve and to serve the people to serve others you know and by serving others I knew that I knew for a fact then that would please my Lord and my Savior Jesus Christ because that was where it came from because he was a servant he he could have come and commanded but he came as a servant and he took care of us and he served so I'm doing everything in my power when I was growing up to actually do that same thing that is to serve and be a, be a part of helping others. Uh, that got ingrained in me. From there, I, I, I just, I, again, I went to the university. Um, it was, again, learning all the sciences that I need. But again, we have to talk about serving. Um, I think we, we've gotten away from that, where people are moving towards doing whatever they want to do and being in their businesses, and I'm building on my career. And I think that that has limited us. I think it has been to our detriment that we are not servant leaders. That's the thing that was ingrained into me as a young man. And from there, I even went down to Florida uh, where I went to school again down in Florida. Uh, I used to work for a number of Cubans. Uh, that's where I learned how to speak Spanish. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, so <laughs> again, this whole idea of cultures that we're going, it was very powerful. I grew up there, just going to school there for a while. I learned to look at the resources down there. I studied the resources down there. It was fantastic. I, I learned how to dive and enjoy myself there. But again, we had time with the, within that community of learning how to serve and what things were helping that community to prosper. There was a number of problems when I was down there, and there was a number of them were drugs issues. But the community was, if they were there and based on good, solid biblical values, 
that's what was really fantastic and it was and it 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 burned into my spirit that this is where I was supposed to be and that I was supposed to be see people at I'm going to just say it to be sometimes people confuse you know management and being able to do things with leadership they confuse it a, a leader is a person that sets up strategies and develops vision because we know without vision people perish right mm-hmm. so we're looking at developing vision and and setting up strategies to solve things and that was impugned into me by my father of course who said he was a servant and he was a servant leader always wanting to not necessarily be in the run to front but always being supportive from there i i, I really enjoyed coming um from from florida i came up to idaho mm-hmm. believe it or not idaho <laughs> i loved idaho i was in central idaho i met a number of different cowboys if you want to call them that we were just and i was in seventh heaven again resource issues how are we going to take take part in it uh i ran a hatchery up there uh, a fish hatchery and it was a wonderful experience absolutely wonderful so I, i learned how to manage a situation but i also had to learn strategies i had to learn how to do how to come up with visions and different ways of coming up with solutions rather than just managing something you need to have solutions to problems so again that was that was ingrained in me Dimitri. it was ingrained in what i'm supposed to do uh, then i came out here i uh, got a job as a game warden and when it was, was just that? exciting when did you move to washington washington i came here that's gonna make me sound really old why'd you have to ask that <laughs> 19 you look young well good I, I am young i always tell people i'm only 38 that well, most folks go. don't believe it but i came here in uh, washington 1985 wow and then that's when i started becoming a game warden from there what, uh, what is that exactly a game warden yeah see that's that that is a police officer a game warden we actually in it's where you go out and you actually check fishing licenses okay. uh you check hunting licenses you're out there seeing where the different animals are at, where the different fish are at, and then man- making sure that people stay within the limits that they're supposed to. I worked on the coast where people are doing commercial fishing. That was the big thing, bringing in these monster boats and huge catches, and we had to monitor that. Right. So I'm, I'm, I'm hearing that you're, you're, you love fishing, basically. Uh, did I say that a few times? <laughs> uh, the Slavic community loves to fish. I uh, love to fish. Yes. That is by... That what's, your is, favorite, what's your favorite fish? Well, right now, my favorite fish, believe it or not, is walleye. Walleye. I huh. love walleye. They're delicious. They're sweet and tasty. They're awesome. Working and gear. believe it or not, this Columbia River has some of the best populations of walleye in the area. It's amazing. People hmm. don't even fish for it. But then right after that, steelhead. steelhead. I'm a steelhead aficionado. What about I love salmon? It. Salmon, salmon? Are, salmon are good. They're, they're, I, I love fishing for them. I'm just not real good at it. You know, I'm, they are, there's a lot of better fishermen. I mean, I catch them, but I'm not as good as I should be right. on catching salmon. I'm guessing with, uh, with the campaign trail, you haven't been fishing much lately. Unfortunately. Unfortunately. I have not been able to go out because normally I'd work my five days, and two of those five days I'm out fishing, wow. which is very, but now with campaigning, it's not that way. I can imagine probably you running into some Slavic community when you're out fishing. I do. I've run into a number of different uh, Slavic community and that's, and I, to the point where I wanted to, to try to learn the language. It's a little bit difficult to learn, I'll be honest with you. Uh, I tried it, I'm, I'm going to try it again. You'll learn Spanish so you can do it. I know, if I can, if I can learn Spanish, I can learn, I can learn yeah. Russian or, or, or um, Ukrainian. There's a lot of similar words. It is. And I'm really excited about it, and I did because that's where I'd run into a lot of people. I learned a lot about, um, believe it or not, I learned a lot about sturgeon from the Slavic community. I did not know some of the things. Uh, A lot of our, the the Slavic community taught me that that sturgeon, which no one told me in school, I thought sturgeon were endemic just to the, the river. That's not true. Sturgeon can go from the river, go out into the ocean, travel all the way up into the sound, go all the way around in, in different areas and then come back here. Um, and then they educated me on when the, the spawning season is, when the big fish come in, and ed- educated me on, on what the different resources and how to utilize them. It was amazing. I learned so much, I could. it was like, oh, <laughs> why didn't they teach me this in college? But it was amazing. So but, uh, I see some kind of like a, like a progression, even like within your career, uh, you were dealing with, 
the uh, kind of like the wildlife, which yes. actually there's a lot of interaction. I think there is a lot of interaction, especially with the because. I don't know if we ever had any run-ins with wildlife management, but I'm pretty sure I heard some stories. Um, but so and then you kind of transitioned into being a police officer. Yeah. Um, what brought you to that specific? Because oh. that's way different. Like oh, this it, is going from nature I know, and then going to uh, the suburbs there. <laughs> yes. I'll just be honest. It was. To me, it was kind of a downgrade. Um, years ago, they our, the state of Washington went into a financial disorder. It was just they were messed up, and they had um, and they kept they they didn't manage their money right, and we went into a state where we are deficit. So they had to have what they call a RIF, a reduction in force. So here I was, you know, almost thirteen years on, and yet they said, well, we're having a reduction in force, so they ended up firing you know a whole bunch of people but because I had a lot of time on they said well you have a choice you can quit or you can go work on the coast and I went as a game board I'm talking and so I had five I have five children at that time I had you know five boys and uh, now I have I have seven children now but I had at that time I had five boys one on the way and to me you have to take care of your family first you know, you may love your job, you may love what you're doing, and you may love doing all the rest of that. But if you don't take care of your family, then you are you you're you're worse than an infidel, uh, in my eyes. That may be a little bit strong statement, but it is you must take care of your family. So they sent me to the coast, and I enjoyed working on. It was Pacific County, Long Beach. I love Long Beach. So I worked Long Beach. I worked I worked that whole Astoria. Worked all the way out up to all the way up to uh, um, ocean ocean shores, and then all the way from ocean shores all of Pacific County, all the way to Collins in that portion of Collins County. So that was my beat. So it's a huge beat, a lot of activity, and it was fun for me. It was. It was great for me. I loved it. I mean, you you just threw me into into natural heaven is where I was at. I loved it, but it wasn't good for my family. And say, say, well, just move your kids to Pacific County. Uh, no, it's not that. It's just Pacific County didn't have the schools for my children, and we needed to have good schools. So, all that came to to a head, and I had to make a decision. Like we all have to make decisions. Do you want to do what you love more than anything, or are you going to take responsibility and serve your family? I made the decision to serve my family, which is why I switched over. It hurt. Uh, from being a, a, what I had went to school for and all that to become an officer. To me, it was kind of a downgrade, but then I learned to love it. Hmm. You know what I mean? I learned to love it. That's the truth. And it, I learned to love going out and actually doing even more than just fish and wildlife, but actually catching criminals that were uh, threatening other people. Because um, here they were just threatening deer and elk, and that's bad. Yeah. But now they're actually attacking and hurting people. And that gave me the feel, gave me the, the love for protecting and defending the innocent. Um, you asked earlier about what do you really, why would you, knowing that, that, that there's a chance of you not coming home, of me going to my wife and saying, hey, Kath, I love you this morning, giving her a kiss, and then walking out that door, and then sometimes she thinks, is he going to come home tonight? You know, that question is always out there. And the only way to resolve that is to say, it doesn't matter whether I come home or not. So long as I serve, and I serve with all my heart, with all my mind, with all my strength, that I am protecting and defending others and supporting them, that's, the, that's what makes the difference. That's how we can do it. That's how men and women today, even though the, this job has turned against most of them, through all this Black Lives Matter movement, through all this anti-police, this all-defunding movement, there are still dedicated professionals who could make money any other place they want, but are choosing, like I'm choosing, to stay with the profession and to believe that it, it is here to defend and protect and to serve the community. And that really is it. And it's, I think it's a, for me, it's an ingrained feeling. And yes, it's intense, I agree. Is there a possibility of not making? Yes, you could not come home. And we expect right. that. But that is what you expect 
and you don't worry about that. You just know that you are going to do your job, and that's what's important. Right. Well, we've we've noticed, you know, two three years ago when the whole def, you know defund the police movement started, the whole Black Lives Matter movement started, and that's what the public seen. Was there a movement to do something similar, kind of behind the scenes that started before all of that, or is it, was it was that the kind of the beginning of it as well? I think with that when George Floyd, that whole we were having issues where there was some people were we had more video of people cops mm -hmm. wearing cameras and stuff so now you had video that was always out there um, but that movement that anti-police movement which started primarily you know within the minority community was very very disturbing and once it's and once we had that horrific incident in Minneapolis it just gave it just threw gas on a fire that was already just settling and that just went crazy um, it spurred a movement that was both um, destructive, lawless, and um, perhaps one of the most deleterious things that ever happened to our country. And it encouraged others that were involved in, the, who said that they wanted to stop, you know, police brutality. But the real mission, and the real mission still remains, was that to bring in a Marxist socialist agenda, which is absolutely unacceptable. Uh, and deleterious to our whole country and what we stand for. And that's why this whole movement has been destructive. But we have to realize it. And I think some of the people that are, are most understanding of what I'm talking about are the Slavic communities because they understand what happened in Russia, what happened in, in Yugoslavia, what happened in Romania, what happened in all these places. They understand that, and they understand the progression and they are seeing the same progression here starting in America. And that has completely uh, upset them. And I'm hoping that, that, again, this whole education thing, where they can come and educate Americans, I know that sounds strange, educate Americans, uh, at people that are, that when I say educate Americans, Slavic community are Americans, but educate us, some of the people that have never experienced outside this country. Educate us. What happens when a Marxist regime starts to move? What happens when you have that kind of uh, movement start within your country and eventually limit your freedoms, take away your rights as a citizen, and make you, for all practical purposes, a slave? That, to me, is, is critical, and that's where I, I think we can go with. Um, but and I, I'm, a, I'm a firm believer that this movement that has come upon us, this defund the police, this anti-police movement, has contributed significantly to this increase in crime. In Portland here, an increase in murder, I couldn't believe it, 42%, the last figure I heard, and most of the people that are being murdered are minority people. And, and we need to do something about that. We simply right. can't allow this to continue. Right. Uh, so that's, so for me, it's a, it's a critical issue, a critical time for all of us, not just one of us, but every single person, both in Clark and in, in Multnomah, we have to stand up and do our part. We can't sit back and say, oh, well, let someone else do it. We have to motivate. We have to get out there and say, listen, everybody, if you love this country, if you love this country and you love freedom, now is the time for you to stand up and make yourself known. Now is the time not for you to sit back and hope that somebody else does it. You can't. We absolutely need every single person to make up their minds to say, no, we are not going to allow this Marxist agenda to take root here in our area. No, we're not going to allow violence to continue in our area. And yes, we're going to support the police. But yes, we are going to hold them accountable when they do things they shouldn't do. We get it. But the whole idea is that it's all going to be taken care of if we all work together. And I am convinced at this point in my 37-year career, okay, I know that ages me, but I am absolutely convinced that this is the right time, the right place, the right moment that I've been called to do this. And I think, again, that goes back to what I believe is my calling. My calling is the Lord. He is, I believe very strongly that I have been called for such a time as this that it is up to me to stand up and to meet you to hold the line, to hold the line, meaning to not, to not back up anymore. No, we're not gonna back up and allow our children 
to be educated in racist doctrines and racist ideals like the CRT. No, we're not going to back up anymore and say that we're going to defund our police officers to the point where they, they can barely operate and protect us, such as the case here in Clark County right now, where our, our right. police department, our, our sheriff's office, has been depleted to such an extent we might get, might have .47 officers per thousand. Do you know that's the lowest in the country? In the country. Wow. How did we get here? How did this, how did this how did we allow such destructiveness to happen to our sheriff's office? And you know, our sheriff is the top law enforcement official of the county, and he is the, or she, is the elected official. See, that's difference. That's different. The reason it's different is because your sheriff, the sheriff of your county, that person has the authority to say, to set policy, remember we were talking about it before, to set strategies and to set visions vision as to where we need to go and that means whether we're going to look where some laws that are going to violate your civil rights which are just endemic to america we have these civil rights are what makes america america you you don't have to you if the police officers come into your home or want to come in your home you can say no no you can't come into my home when people say you can't meet in church when you're told does not go to church, not to worship, not to sing, your civil rights say you can say no. No, we're going to go to church. We're going to meet. We're not going to be restricted in this. And when someone comes and says they're going to take away your Second Amendment rights to keep and bear arms, and you can say no, we have that right. And your sheriff is the one that's going to be there to protect those civil rights. And that's why I tell somebody, Dimitri, we are in the civil rights battle of our time. You know, we had civil rights battles back in the 60s with Martin Luther yeah. King and all of that. <clears throat> and that's great because I loved him. I, I, I believe very strongly in what he believes. And I believe everything he believes. That it has nothing to do with your ethnicity. Doesn't matter if you're, you know, you're from Russia. Doesn't matter if you, if you, you're descendant of, of of Native American. Doesn't matter if you're descendant of of Japanese. Doesn't matter who, where you're at. Once you set foot here and your feet touch this sacred soil, you are an American, and those civil rights impugn to you, and you as an individual have those rights, and that's what di makes it different than the whole world. Is that Constitution? As a, as that constitution that we have right now is what protects you. It's a shield about you. You know, you hear this, thy word is a shield about me. You know, you, well, in a sense, our constitution is a shield about us. And that's why we have to maintain it. And you need to make sure that you, as a, a citizen of the United States, as a, as a person who loves this country, as a patriot, and some of the most patriotic citizens I've ever met, are members of the Slavic community. I am, I, I'll just flat say it, I am, me and my, my friend Andre, I can't think of a more patriotic American than Andre. Um, Andre is a man who has come in and, and is leading men and leading us into where we need to be. Uh, he is, he's, he's part of a group called Flash Love, mm -hmm. and he has set this thing up so that it's working. He is mentoring young men. Doesn't matter this, you know, whether it's he's mentoring young men of all nationalities, of all ethnicities, and it is amazing what's coming what's coming out of it. Young men are starting to lead. Young men are are seeing that being a man is not embarrassing. It is it is showing them how to treat women, how you treat people in general. And it again, what we were talking about is that servant leadership. That's where we're at. And this is why we have to maintain where we're at and be the patriots that we're supposed to be. I want to take a moment to thank all of our sponsors for allowing us to be here on this program and all of our future programs. Some of the sponsors are Pilmeni Pilmeni, Nina Martina, a real estate broker, America's Best Realty, Exceptional Homes, Dreamhouse Construction, Imperial Cabinets, Solution 8020, Gold Cup Coffee House, Red Hills Construction, Sibironi, Banos Floral, Third House Media, and some others. Without these companies and without these organizations, we couldn't be on this program. 
And if you would like to be our next sponsor, reach out to us by visiting slavicvote.org. We would love to partner with you and further our mission. Thank you very much. So I have a, just a couple of quick questions because sure. I do live in Clark County. Yes, you do. <laughs> and I can attest to the fact that crime has kind of permeated into the neighborhoods. And I wouldn't say I live in a bad neighborhood, but I mean, just windows breaking, graffiti, it's its all there now, which wasn't there about a year ago. No, it was not. Um, and we people say, oh, it's the econo- economy. It but now that you're saying that the police department is being depleted uh, to a minimum and we have the lowest coverage per thousand, um, who does that really fall onto then? So, like, who funds the police department, for example? So is it the leadership saying we don't have enough funds to hire new officers? Because there's a ton of levies going through where they're taxing people per um, per square footage of the house or something like That's that. Right. There's all this stuff going through where more money is being pumped into something. Is it just a mismanagement of funds somehow where it's not making it? Or is there like actually agenda not to hire more people because they're trying to look slim to Yes maybe- and yes. Yes, yes to the first question is, first of all, I'll say this. The people who fund your police is you. Our Clark County residents fund the sheriff's office. The Clark County residents fund all the police departments. And you're right. There's, but let's be specific on our sheriff's department. Um, there, do we have enough money there to fund our sheriff? The answer is yes. But why haven't they funded the sheriff's position? Why are we losing upwards of five or this last month may we lost five officers they're all they're, they're, they're that's five officers and we're already down at one point at one point yar we that we had one sheriff's deputy on for the whole of Clark County can you explain that why that is possible how can that be and why did they let it get to such a abysmal level of 0.47 some people have said it's even down to 0.37 uh, officers per thousand why would they let that kind of mismanagement go on? Again, it's blatant mismanagement. There is no excuse. There are funds that we can utilize. They say, well, we're only going to use, you know, the, the funds from the general fund. But, see, that's just a management decision. We need to fund our sheriff's office, and that has not been done. Do you know that back in 2013 that then Sheriff Lucas was calling, saying, we have a crisis in Clark County. The crisis is where we cannot, we cannot post everybody where we need them. We need deputies in North County. We need deputies in South County. We need East and West deputies, but we're not having it. We're having to bring in all of our troops just towards the core while other areas are not being taken care of. And he, th- he put out the word that we needed funding then. It was ignored. And as a result, we have come to the crisis that we are right now. Within three years three years if we keep going at the rate that we're at right now we'll be down almost 46 percent we that is a catastrophic level where we would not be able to serve the sheriff's office would not be able to serve the community unacceptable it should never have come to this this is a gross mismanagement issue um people are saying well everybody's pointing fingers at each other you know it's it's the it's the it's the Clark County Sheriff, whose fault it is. It's the, it's the, um, it's 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 got to be the city man, the county manager. Oh, it's got to be the county council. So I say, you know what? You're right. But let's add one more person in there. How about the public? Why have we, as the public, allowed our sheriff's department to go to such an abysmal level? We should have been aware of what's going on. We can say, well, we didn't know, but now we know. Now we know. So now we have to make some steps. Are we going to stand up, fund our sheriff's office, or are we going to continue to allow it to be depleted and to, the, to such an extent? There's another, and that's, that's a big question that I want to put out to our community. Are you going to allow this kind of mismanagement to place your safety in jeopardy? Because what, what is the purpose of government? The purpose of government is to protect and defend the people. That is the first job of government. That's your first job. You can, whatever other else you want to do, whatever little programs you want to develop, those are all ancillary. 
the primary job of government is to protect and, and safeguard the people of that area and to serve them. That's what the purpose of government, not to rule over them, but to serve them. That's the philosophy we've lost, and we have to get back to it. And when you're talking about the public, you're talking about the public and the folks getting out and voting for the right leadership. That's exactly right, and that's Dimitri. the issue. See, that's where it's gotten us. Some of the people that we have put into positions of authority, into positions of power, have failed us. Have failed us miserably. And they're continuing to fail. And continuing and to fail. we're not doing anything about it. They're, they're, they're making, we have laws, I call them the dirty dozen, that were put out. Twelve laws that were passed back in, 19, in, in 2021 that went into effect in 2021 and also in January of 2022. These laws have, have handcuffed your law enforcement to such an extent that they are almost powerless to do a lot of things. Quick example, if you don't mind. Of course. The laws that were passed, part was one of us called 1310. It had to do with, with our, ta and also uh, another law, with, where it had to do with tactics. The important thing is that it then shackled your officers. So, for example, normally, say somebody's out robbing a bank. There's a guy, he's got a blue striped shirt on, you know, he's got short hair, brown hair, mustache, you know. Um, he's got blue eyes and and he's about five foot eight, five nine, and he's just walked out of the bank and he's got a bag. He's carrying a bag. That's the report that comes out. Police officer coming up, and I go, oh, there's that. That guy matches that description. I'm going to pull that guy over. I'm going to stop to him. We're going to talk to him. We're going to find out if he is the guy that just robbed the bank. That was what it was before. It makes sense, doesn't it? It it's called reasonable suspicion. It's reasonable. That might be the guy because he matched right. the description. Well, that got wiped out. The new law now makes the officer have to have what's called probable cause before we go and arrest, before we stop, even to the point of stopping someone, meaning I've got to know just by looking at you that you committed the crime and that and I have to have enough in my little book to say I have enough to arrest that's a huge amount. Right. So what's going to happen? Well, I see the guy matching the description, but I had, that's not enough. That's not probable cause. I can't even talk to him because some of the laws that came up. And then I have to go all the way back to the bank, maybe get a picture, send that out to the officers, and see what kind of vehicle and person and all the rest of that. How long is that going to take? Well, obviously, it takes a long time. And your officers are then restricted and then when they're told, if you don't have probable cause to talk to somebody with some of the other laws that got passed and you get into a fight with them where you have to try to arrest them and then there's some kind of situation where you don't have probable cause, you are now going to you now could face charges. Both you could even lose your job through decertification or you could lose your you could become charged because you didn't have the right to be there. It was it's outrageous. The laws that were passed. And one of them had to do with, say, which it was a situation where someone is having a mental crisis. Yard, this, is, this happened to me. A guy had a mental crisis, fled into Vancouver, pulled up to Fifth and Main, and jumped out of the car and screamed, they're after me. Jumped out of his car and run down the middle of the road. Mm -hmm. Because of this law, officers could not make contact with that man in that desperate crisis situation officers has had to try to monitor him but we did because he hadn't committed a crime the law actually told us to to leave him alone since he's not committed a crime he's 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 jaywalking but he hasn't committed a crime well it, it kind of plays into the first one by the way um i'm looking at our videographer artem over here <laughs> he told me this in the car and this is this is actually filtering through to the young younger people mm -hmm. And you know what's going to happen with young people. They're, They're going to work the system. And they will. And they and have. Like, and they the, My first response to him was that I laughed. I was like, no way that this is possible. <laughs> now that you're confirming this, I'm thinking like a person actually has to commit a crime for you to have the information on him, the fact that he committed a crime before. It's, it's like so counterintuitive. It's unbelievable to hear that it actually – and it passed. It did. It passed, and it passed – and then got signed into law. So it is law. Is that by and the city or by the, the, the state? The, the whole state, state 
so of legislators, Washington. The legislators uh, that are in power right now, um, those people went ahead and passed that. And then it went, it got so desperate throughout the state, and officers screamed so loudly and said, look, and crime just went right through the roof, as yeah, you can yeah. see it, because the criminals are not stupid. People talk. People talk. They know. And as a result of that, crime started, people, officers couldn't stop. We have guys that are in cars. They just, hey, we're in a car. Why stop for the police? And just taking off. Um, We've had, I've had multiple times, just me, within the past few months of this happening, all because of these, these I call them despicable laws. I call them laws that are anti-police, that have done nothing but make you, you, the, you, the, the public, unsafe. It has jeopardized your safety, and as a result, we have crime going through the roof. We've had more shootings in, in Clark County than I have ever seen wow. since these laws were passed. More violent crimes, more, more crimes that we probably could have done something about, but because of these laws. They, they decided, well, let's try to do a fix because the officers are crying so much. And they put together some of these other laws to so-called fix them. But I can tell you, it hasn't corrected the problem. It simply is it, they just more words, more, more ideas when our officers know that you have to be careful. If you use force trying to arrest somebody, you are now being watched with such a microphone, microscope that it's dangerous for officers. So they, some, of not, some are just saying, I can't take the chance. I've got a family to take care of. So we're, I, I know I've seen personally, and I'm sure all of us seen footage out there of, of thieves essentially walking out with bags and I guess... If you were still under a thousand, yeah, if you're still under a thousand, there's like, is that part of that whole, that whole legislation or is that different? What exactly? I mean, is that Oregon? Is that Washington? California, I think. That's California, right? What happens up here, but the thieves have figured it out that misdemeanor issues. And again, officers are are going into this saying, well, well, it's a, it's, how did they put it? Um, It's not a government interest because it's not a government interest the issue is how much effort are you going to put into it it's a misdemeanor crime it's a non-violent misdemeanor how many times have you heard that have you heard this yeah, well, non-violent I mean, it, it's misdemeanor like, it's like police officers became babysitters in a way you, right. instead of actually well it's forced us to have to, to to jump through more hoops to get the probable cause that we need and how much effort are we going to put on to a misdemeanor crime when it, we don't even know if, if when we come across the person, what are we going to do? We're going to give them a ticket. That we don't not going to take them to jail. Number one in Clark County, we can't take them to jail because we don't have any because of the lack lack of officers that are there at the at our jail, our deputy. There's hardly any. Our deputies are working 16-hour days in the jail. They're not being paid the sufficient amount of money that they are, and again, they're leaving. So we're getting a shortage and shortage and shortage of more of staffing. So what has the sheriff done? He says, well, we're not responding to a number of different calls, only oh. only very serious calls. We're not responding to calls like, you know, someone stealing under a thousand seven hundred under seven hundred fifty dollars worth of stuff. Yeah. So that's that is a, a a very difficult thing for us to do. So now we've got nowhere to take some people when we want to book them into jail. We're not taking felons. Do you know this? Felons are running our streets right now that have felony warrants out for them right now felony warrants but because of our jail staffing and our jail levels we're not taking them so i've heard some at one of the meetings i've heard some of the the statistics of how much the county pays for people that have been incarcerated and it's just per day and it's just it's a lot of money um my question is um this position that you're running for um how much headway because it sounds like there's a couple of issues there's probably more than two or three issues here <laughs> uh one is the getting more police police officers out there uh creating an environment for them to where you know like you said put family first that's right um and third is these laws how much does this position that you're going for allow you to play or create the environment for the police officers to come back or even make the next generation want to go into the police force? That's what I, that's one of the things that we really have to do right off the bat. We have to stop. It's just like, like I use this example. It's like a body. If you're, when you come across a subject that's been wounded or is in a car crash, 
what's the most important thing to do? You want to stop your life. We want to protect the life. We have to stop the bleeding, right? We have to stop. We have to stop the bleeding. We have to do triage right off the bat and stop the bleeding. Well, that's what I'm going to do. We have to develop. We have to pay our people. Are they, The people that are working for us have said, the reason we don't want to work here because they don't pay us. Do you know they're only paying our, our deputies, only t they're paying our deputies 26% less than the Vancouver Police Department, 26% less. And these are highly trained and motivated people where they're not being paid anywhere close to what they should be paid. Um, right now, because of these, we were talking about this, this whole Black Lives Matter anti-police, many, many officers have left the profession to such an extent that there is a deficit nationwide and why would people even want to come? You know, last I checked, it was like a month ago, we had one application for Clark County Sheriff. I hope that's changed. I hope that's changed. One. Do you realize we would open up positions years ago for officers, for deputies, and it would be, you know, maybe five, ten positions that we would open it up for. We'd have 400 applicants trying for those positions. It was, it was we were taking the cream right off the top. It was wonderful. But now we're only down to one? How is that possible? When people now are young people like this young man here, why well, I, I want him to become an officer. With all my heart, I do. But how, when you know you're not being no pay and it's lowest in an area, you don't have any backup, the danger to you, you're working more and more overtime where you have to work this overtime and you're, and you're not being paid and you're trying to get your pay up to a certain level to take care of your family, why would you do that? And then the second thing that, you, that you're talking about, what's the incentive? Why should officers, why should people apply? Why would you apply when you know you can go to work at this? this I, hope I'm, I hope this is not true. And I'm not, there's no degradation to Burgerville at all. But Burgerville pays its people. Our, our, our corrections deputies were only making $5 more per hour. That is unacceptable. You have solid professionals of the magnitude that we have of these of these deputies, and you refuse to pay them. You you delay their pay. You don't even try to keep up with what with with inflation. You don't even try to keep up with what other agencies are paying. Why would you do that? In my opinion, it is gross mismanagement, gross mismanagement, and there's no excuse for that. And then you're right. One of the things that certainly affected this whole people right now is these laws these laws have to be changed we have to hold the people that we elect accountable for what they've done these laws were which like in Clark County you've got Stonier you've got Wiley you've got um, um, oh, I forgot the the senator um, but it, it'll come to me later those people voted for these outrageous laws these anti-police laws these laws which have placed everyone in Clark County in jeopardy. Your safety was placed on the mat here. And these people who were elected passed these outrageous laws. And there is no excuse for me to sit back and try to, to, to candy coat this. I'm not going to. Right. The safety of our people has been jeopardized by these irresponsible laws that have been passed. Right. And now we're disattracting, if that's such a word, all <laughs> of these people of these that could come to the sheriff's office to actually be, make it the very best. And I'll tell you this, if you want a good investigation of any case that you've got, you want a deputy to do it. Not that that degrades people like me, a, a police officer, it doesn't. It's just that your, your Clark County de Sheriff deputies, they take a case from start to finish. They don't pass it off, it doesn't get passed off. They take it all the way and investigate, and they're very good at it. Some of the very best investigators we have in the country work for them. Some of the best homicide investigators work for them. My, my, my friend of mine, his name is Lawrence Zapata. He's with the sheriff's office. If there's anybody in this country that is better than him, I don't know it. He's that good insofar as his wow. investigative skills. Incredible. He's made so many cases that he's been able to solve. And that's, and that's the kind of the quality of people we have working for our sheriff's office. So the question comes up, Dimitri, if you had an employee 
that you knew was that good and was bringing in that kind of money for you and, and, and being that kind of faithful, you would pay him or her what they're worth. You pay them what they're worth because they're a commodity. They are an asset to you. I will say right. it and I'll say it boldly. The sheriff's office has treated its employees in the most abysmal way possible. And still, still, Dimitri, still, Yar, these men and women serve the people of Clark County with distinction and honor. How Thank is that you. possible? I think, thanks for sharing. Uh, I think some of the listeners that are tuning in, they're like, are they talking about Portland? <laughs> they're probably like, this is... This I wish is. I was talking about Portland. <laughs> because a lot of this, what you're sharing is definitely, uh, you know, for the listeners who tune in, yeah, who tune in, they're wondering, you know, what, what's going on? What's going on? And and for the folks that are listening as well, you know, I hope they realize that uh, there there is hope and, and the hope is the upcoming elections. Yes. If the community and, you know, not just Lava community, everybody else can understand this, if they get out there and vote this election... Like, like they mean, like they, like they should be, things could be turning around. And that was my, my other question, kind of to add to your question. Uh, you know, how do we reverse this? Yes. And part of it is, uh, is getting out and voting and yes. get, bring in the right people. Uh, and uh, uh, that's the first step is to get out there and vote for the right leadership. That's right. Dimitri, that is the most critical. And I just appeal to uh, all of our people. Uh, our, our Slavic community, all of you in Clark County, anyone hearing my voice, I appeal to you. Heck, I would beg you to make sure that you get out there and vote. You have to vote. Your vote counts. Dimitri, it counts, especially right now, of all the times. That's now right. is the time for you to get out and vote. And as, as I started off this thing, when I was saying, we need you to just say enough is enough is enough that no, we're not going to tolerate this kind of lawlessness in Clark County, Washington. No, we're not going to tolerate these laws that have, been, that have been placed in by irresponsible legislators that have placed our safety in jeopardy. The safety of my children, your children, are now in jeopardy. We want our kids to be able to go to schools where they are safe. Right. Well, now we've had people that have actually taken, our, taken officers out of the schools. Right. What sense does that make? It makes no sense when you know that you've got a threat there and you want to have somebody there. It, do, it serves two purposes. One, protection, which is what you want. And two, it gives our kids confidence. It lets them know what police are about, what sheriff's officers are about, and that we do care and right. that we will mentor them. All of this is critical. We have to vote. Right. Let me ask you a question. Sure. Uh, you know, are a lot of, a lot of you know, the community and others, they leave Portland uh, to go to Vancouver because they, they feel like it's safer there and it's it's a better place to live. But looking at what's going on and, and, and things are, you know, regressing uh, lower and lower, you know, if people don't continue voting, you know, how many, how many the, your, your prediction, you know, how many years are we away from Vancouver and, you know, the Clark County becoming Two like years. Portland? Two years. So if we don't change something, if we Vancouver don't change, is next. If we don't change, and I mean right now, I predict without a, and I, and I, you don't have to look far. Just look right at Portland. You, have, you don't have to look far. It's right across the water. If Clark County citizens do not vote and do not vote people into office that are going to make laws that make them safe, that do not vote for people that are going to uphold our constitutional values, those basic civil rights, these are the top, the top ten amendments of our Constitution, your right to meet, your right to, to, to worship, your right to free speech, your Second Amendment to keep firearms, your Fourth Amendment against unlawful searches and seizures, your Fifth against, against incriminating, and, and your due process amendments. These are critical rights that we must remember. If you, as a Clark County citizen, do not go out there and vote, do not register, and then hope that everything is going to work out, you will be, you will be within two years my prediction there is no question we will have portland in the streets of vancouver we will have portland in the in the air in in the streets of camas we will have portland in the streets of ridgefield we will have portland in the streets of washugal and camas now that's not what i want i don't mean to be very angry i hope i'm not coming across as angry <laughs> but i do want to come across as passionate because that's what i am i see the danger 
and I'm a watchman. And as a watchman, I have to advise you that if I see the enemy coming, I see the danger, you must respond. Clark County, you must respond. You must, all, everyone, from the Slavic community to our Hispanic community to our black community to every single one of our communities, we need to just lose the title of what black, white, Hislavic and say one thing, we are Clark County, we are Americans, and this is what we want. We want our safety. And you're right. Right now, Vancouver and Clark County are safer than Portland, and we are seeing a massive immigration into our cities, which, what is it, Ridgefield's getting almost, what, 12 to 13 percent? And the center's, what, 3.5? Some of those numbers, I've, I've heard different numbers, but the point of the matter is, we're seeing an increase in amazing growth in our area. We have to, if we want to maintain this and we want to keep our schools, we want to keep our area and we want to attract businesses to this area, we have to do a couple things right away. Number one, vote, vote, and vote the people that are going to have your values in mind. And that means, and it has nothing to do with Republican versus Democrat. It has everything to do with keeping you safe so that you can go out your door and not worry about, I mean, we used to never lock our doors in Washougal. I never locked my door in Washougal. Why would I do that? What was the, I mean, I wouldn't be able to get in because I didn't carry a key with, that was what it was. Now I lock my doors. I lock my doors. It shouldn't be that way. We have to stand up for what's right. That's the first thing we do is vote. Secondly, we need to make sure that our, our, our sheriff's office, the first thing, that they are taken care of. We must insist through the, through the county council of Clark County and insist that the, the county manager pays our people a commensurate salary and then adds incentives so that they can come. You want to know one, the incentives that Vancouver Police does for officers? What's that? $25,000 we will give an, any lateral officer wanting to come to Vancouver. Wow. $25,000. $10,000 for anybody just to come over, just a regular boot that comes up, a, a, a plebe, a first, you know, a regular officer. That's incredible. Plus our, the, the timing, that how the shifts that we do, all of this is very, I mean, they're, they're, people are starting to pay this amount of money out there. Right. Why we, would we as Clark County well, thank you. We're we're running close to the time, unfortunately. Oh my goodness! Uh, the the, the program it was, was it's fast. That and, was fast. And uh, I I I tried to. I we usually always get so close to where about to be shut down, but uh, we don't want to do that today. But uh, one question that I have for you, just sure. before we uh, kind of start closing down, uh, I know that you, I believe this is your second run, second try running for a position. Uh, this is your not first race. Uh, and a lot of candidates out there who don't win their first race, they usually give up and, and walk away and give up, essentially. No. You have not given up. You, no. you decided to step up and do it again. I am excited about that. I ran for the Senate um, and uh, in a very, if you want to sometimes call it, a very liberal, very progressive right. area. 49th District? It was the 49th District here and, in, and right there. And we had uh, Park, who's running for that this time, That's on uh, last, oh, a few yeah. programs ago. Yep. Yep. And it's that district is, it's, it is very sometimes progressive, sometimes votes very liberal. Um, but I ran in that district, and I ran as a Republican is what I am. But people didn't just judge me on the fact that I was a Republican. They judged me on what I have done in the past. They judged me on the good things. So I scored, I, when I, although I did not win, I certainly scored up to well, almost 44% of the vote, wow. which was unheard of in the 49th district. That people, that, that means that a number of people that normally voted, you know, yeah. liberal or anything, or whatever you want to call it, they saw what Ray Reynolds was willing to do, and they voted with, they yeah. voted with their heart and with their passion. And so that was wonderful. I was, I was, I'm very encouraged with that. It was a, a, a wonderful showing. I wish I had won, yeah. and, but I didn't. But, it, that's, but that's where we have to start right there. We have to vote people like me into that, those positions because I, st and that's what I tell people, I don't, I serve you. Not the other way around. I don't lord it over people. I am your servant. I am your representative. 
What you say is what I say. What you want is what I want. That's right. representative government. That's what we have. We have a we have a constitutional republic. We don't have a democracy. People get that confused. We don't. We have a rep we have a constitutional republic where I represent you. That way the minority of people they don't get squashed by a by a by a huge majority that then votes on this and this and, and crushes the minority. Right. That is unacceptable. Right. And so again I, I then voted, and that's so why, again, I did very well running for that Senate position. And, but now I was running for sheriff. Right. This one is probably the most important race in the entire county wow. is to run for sheriff because the sheriff will determine where we go insofar as enforcing laws, um, setting the policies, and let it setting the, and main. The, but the most important thing, the most important thing is protecting the civil rights of the citizens of Clark County. Right, and I believe there's more than one. Uh, there's a few others that are running. Is that correct? There are. There's there's two others that are running in this uh, coming upcoming uh, election. That is going to be John Horsch and Dave Shook. Uh, again, they're both officers. They, uh, John Horsch is one of the managers of of the sheriff's office. He's been there for a long time, and he's been part of that whole group of of management that has got it to where the point where it's mm. at now. Uh, Dave Shook came over from Washington County. He's been here about two years. He used to be part of their their staff. Washington County, Oregon, right? Washington County, Oregon. Yes. So if so, those those are the two guys that are running. Um, and we're simply put, I believe very strongly in your civil rights. Very probably that 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 the laws that are on the books right now are outrageously wrong, and that we should not be limiting our our sheriff's office and stop stop disrespecting the people that work for him. We need to have a change in government. We need a change in the sheriff's office so that we can get rid of that toxic environment and then demand that is the sheriff's job, demand that those, those, that staff is paid the commensurate amount of money that it should right. be paid. Right. Well, thank you very much. The, again, the election that is that you're running for is August 2nd, August 2nd, less than a week away. Come on, uh, everybody get out there and vote now. Come on. It's, it's so soon. So I really hope everybody steps up and, and gets out and vote. I hope the turnout is better than it was in the Oregon primaries because the Oregon primaries was not very good at all. Yeah, I'm hoping uh, we have a, a tremendous turnout. Yeah. Turnout, tell everybody to vote. Exactly. Take your ballots, exactly. send them off right away. Exactly. And like I mentioned in the beginning of the program, uh, if you have issues, if you're one of those folks who are like, you know, I don't want to vote because it's too complicated or I don't know who to vote for, we made that easy. You can just go on our website, slavicvote.org. You will see all the candidates that SV Action and who Lily runs recommends, and uh, you are on that uh, sheet. Thank and you. Uh, I, I think you would do a great job, and we're looking forward to your success. And uh, just to kind of explain to the community this, uh, and you can correct me, this will not be the official race. You will, you're just passing through the primaries. That's correct. And the two of the top candidates, so out of right. the three, will be then in the general election. That's correct. This is the primary, but it's very critical that you vote in the primary. Yeah. So they choose the top two candidates because the top two will go on to the general. Right. And um, So and we're again, hoping to see you in general election. That's what I'm hoping uh, for. That's right. That's right. So uh, so if uh, if you win this primary, uh, no more no fishing for you for a while. <laughs> That'll be hard. That'll be hard. But I'm hoping that somebody out there will have pity on me and take me fishing. <laughs> A 